turn to the Gospel of Luke, the second chapter, Luke chapter 2. And when you found your place there, if you would stand so that we might hear read together the word of the living God. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, this is the very familiar word of the Lord to us. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you was born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing which has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Oswald Chambers writes that human nature demands excitement. God never makes bloodless Stoics, He makes no passionless saints. Our Human nature demands excitement. God makes no passionless saints. I believe that we know that to be true. Now listen, what I'm about to say is very low-hanging fruit. It's a trite illustration, but I cannot resist it in this moment. And here it is. With the fast approach to the end of college football season, we condemn ourselves if we deny that we are not excitable, passionate people. Is that not true? Is there a clearer, more vivid picture of corporate excitability, of corporate passion than in the college football stadium? Few bloodless, passionless Stoics are seated in the stands. And so it's our nature to be excited, to be passionate Of course, the goal of our lives, yours and mine, as believers in Christ, is to pursue the proper passion. And I believe that Chambers writes what he does because he has encountered many people who are plagued by a lack of passion for Christ. Those who call themselves disciples of Christ. Those who claim to be devoted to him, yet lack passion passion for him. And that could easily describe all of 
us in this room, either right now or at some points along the way. And we're concerned by our lack of compassion. So this morning I say we should not just passively accept it as the way it is. Instead, you and I should passionately, actively pursue Christ. And so enter Luke and his Christmas story. As you probably already know, Luke was by profession a physician before he gave that up to start traveling with the Apostle Paul. And so Luke is used to investigating sickness and symptoms so that he can discover causes and cures. Well, the story he tells here this morning is certainly a cure for lack of passion. Because when Luke investigated this story, when he conducted the interviews with those who were eyewitnesses, or with those to whom eyewitnesses had told their story, he discovered this passion for Christ in the angels, in the shepherds, and in Mary herself. And so if we're plagued by a lack of passion this morning, uh, I think this story can cure it, can ignite that passion within us. So let's begin first with the angels. Look with me, if you will, once again in verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. Now this word suddenly means unexpectedly. And it indicates a very brief time between two events. So the one angel barely had time to give his message before the chorus of angels appear and start singing. Now listen, I don't mean to be flip in what I'm about to say or disrespectful. The only reason I say it is because I imagine it and I I believe it might help us uh, be, be more passionate and understand the passion of these angels. And so I cannot get the thought out of my mind that this one angel was a little put off, a little upset that his time in the spotlight, or should I say in the starlight on this night, was interrupted. I picture this angel looking over its shoulder at all these angels who suddenly appeared as if to say, look, I was chosen as the heavenly angel. This is not your cue. I'm not finished yet. But it was too late, was it not? Because the angels were unstoppable. Their suddenly, sudden appearance carries with it this sense of urgency, of unstoppability. They must sing the glory of God. A passion drives them. They simply could not be held back. They had beheld too much of the glory of God. They had dwelt in the light of the glory of God. And part of that glory must have been as they beheld this perfect unity between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They watched them live in beautiful communion, one with the other, a glory to behold. 
It must have been glorious for them to watch Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and behold the love and the compassion with which these perfect beings looked upon human beings who were not perfect. Must have been a jaw-dropping moment for the angels when they were made aware of the plan of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. What they intended to do to rescue rebellious human beings and to lift them out of the state of misery into which their sin had cast them. Glorious, imaginable, only by God. The angels had seen it. They knew it, and now they were released to sing the glory of God and his plan of rescue to the inhabitants of earth. We can't miss the, dis- the passion that's displayed here for us, a passion to declare the greatness of God in the work of salvation. The Apostle Peter tells us this about angels in his first letter. He says that they long, angels long, to look into the matters of salvation. And it's a word of intensity, of strong desire. The angels don't participate in it, but they love to consider God's salvation of people like you and me. And it's a beautiful thing to them. It's an awe-inspiring thing to them, something about which they cannot be held back from singing. They have a passion to glorify God in all He has done. You are not a Stoic. Neither am I. You are not passionless. If you lack passion, perhaps you're not looking. Your eyes are fixed and focused somewhere else. And so you have to ask yourself, as I have to ask myself, am I looking for the glory of God in the face of Christ? And if the answer to that question is no, then you've got to make a change, you and I do. We've got to turn our eyes and fix them on Christ. And I believe, I know the passion will ignite. Don't be passive. We can't wait for passion just to come upon us. We have to pursue it. We have to look to the Christ that will inspire that passion within us. And if the passion is there in you this morning, praise God and the work of His Spirit in you. That passion is only going to grow as you keep looking and you'll keep being blessed. The angels were passionate, unstoppable because of what they had seen, and so will you and I be as well passionate, unstoppable as we look to the person of Christ. Now let's turn to the shepherds. They too were passionate, not because of what they had seen, but because of what they hoped to see. Look in verse 16. After the shepherds heard this good news from the angels, Luke tells us they went. They didn't keep sitting they didn't go back to sheep tending or sheep counting. No, they, they got up and they went. They pursued this one whom they had not yet seen, but of whom they had heard. And then Luke adds this additional detail, this little adjective, 
that describes how they went. And I think Luke adds it because it was memorable to the shepherds who told the story or to those to whom the shepherds told the story. Luke tells us they went with haste. They went with haste to the manger. The Greek word translated haste is spudo, and it's easy for us to hear our English word speed or sped. That's what the shepherds did. Were shepherds normally slow and lethargic? I don't know. Were these shepherds old and unaccustomed to speeding anywhere? I don't know. All I know is that this detail was added because in some way, it must have been unusual. Not what the shepherds would normally have done, but that's not surprising, is it? Because this message that they've just heard from the angel is like no message they have ever heard before. And so their passion was kindled to see this one about whom they had heard. And so just as the angels were unstoppable in singing the praise, so were the shepherds unstoppable in getting to the manger. If I could assign a hymn to these shepherds, it would be this one. It's so beautiful. Written by Bernard of Clairvaux in the 12th century. Jesus, the very thought of thee with sweetness fills my breast, but sweeter far thy face to see and in thy presence rest. See, this is the shepherds. The words weren't enough. Not if they could see. Not if they could rest in the presence of Jesus. There was a a passion in them for seeing Christ for being in his presence, for looking into the face of their Savior. It's not unlike what Job said. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Is that not beautiful? Jesus says to his disciples in Matthew 13, Blessed are your eyes, for they have seen And your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. This is what righteous people do. It's what people who love the Lord do. They long to be in his presence. It's their passion. It's their burning desire. It's what the shepherds longed for to look into the work of God and his salvation on their behalf because he had said to them, unto you, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. This is my work on your behalf. And so they sped off to see this work. You don't speed. You don't make haste about that which you are not passionate. I think of the father of the prodigal son, the son who insulted his father, the son who abandoned his father, the son who ruined his life and squandered all the good things that his father had given him through wasteful, reckless living. But then that son decided to go home. And what a beautiful part of the story. 
that Jesus tells. That this father saw the son at a great distance. He knew that it was his boy. He knew that his son had come home. And scripture says, the father ran, ran to meet the son, put his arms around him, and kissed him. Old men didn't run. It wasn't dignified, but this father did. He sped, he made haste because he had passion and love for his son. And the same is true for us. We speed toward, we rush toward those things that we're passionate about. You young people and children here this morning, I know what you're going to do on Christmas Day. You're going to speed to that Christmas tree. You're going to knock each other down. You're going to trip your parents because you want to get to that Christmas tree and you want to see what is under it just for you. We adults don't act that way. All Well, I don't know. Maybe some of you do. But if we know someone we love is coming home for Christmas, we'll speed to the airport to see them. If we know they're already at the house, we're going to speed home, finish our work quickly so we can get to see the one we love. Yes, we run toward those things about which we are passionate. We pursue them. And that's what this story is about. It's about active pursuit, speeding to Christ because of a longing to see him and to be in his presence. It's a powerful image for you and me, isn't it? These shepherds running, running, running. It's an image that causes us to pause to consider our passions and to redirect them, I pray, if those passions don't lead us to Christ. And now finally, it's Mary's turn. Look with me in verses 18 and 19. And all those who heard it, that's the story, wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Now, just one more little comment about the Greek. Our English translation says that Mary pondered these things, but actually the word in Greek means word, aruma. It says, Mary pondered these words, every utterance that had been made about Christ, these words Mary pondered. And so she was holding Jesus, her baby, in her arms, but she was pondering the words that had been spoken about him. And so all of Mary's being is involved here. Her emotions, she's holding her baby, And in her heart, that's the place where she treasures up the words. All the words that were spoken. No room in the end. The words of the angels. The words of the shepherds. All of these words treasured, preserved right here in her heart. From where she can take them out one by one. And look at them. And ponder them. That's what ponder means. It means to give careful attention to. And so now not only is Mary's heart engaged. But her mind is engaged as well. She can look into the face of Jesus as she holds him. That, of course, will ignite passion in the heart of any mother. But so too do the words as she holds him and looks at him and wonders what the word means. What does it mean that this one will be the Savior? What does it mean that this one 
will be the Christ? What does it mean that this one will be the Lord? Look, as one who is passionate about Christ. And I, I am passionate. I, I want to be more passionate. As one who seeks to love him more and more. And, and I seek and I pray that you seek to love him more and more. I'm so thankful that Luke includes this detail about Mary in the story. I imagine it was Mary herself that told this to, to Luke. How she held Jesus, how she looked at his face, but mostly how she pondered all the words that were said about him. Because with this detail, listen, passion for Christ, it's possible for all of us. We can't hold Jesus in our arms like Mary did. We can't lean against him like the apostle John did. But you and I, we can ponder every word that's been written about our Lord and his word. And that way we can access him and that way we can know him. We cannot expect to be passionate about Christ. We cannot expect to give him more and more love if we don't ponder him through his word. And let me tell you this, Christ is unique in many ways, but particularly in this one way, this one aspect the more you ponder Christ, the more you consider him with your mind and heart, the more you will love him and the more you will be in awe of him. And that's not true of any other person that you know. In all of our lives, with every person that we know, the closer we get to them, the more flaws and shortcomings are revealed to us. Just ask any newlyweds after their honeymoon or after their first year of marriage. Neither husband nor wife. These people that are so intimate, neither of them remains on a pedestal, but not so with Christ. The closer you get to him, the more passionate you will be about him and the more you will love him. Because guess what? You'll find no flaws. You'll find no shortcomings. And if you're truly looking at Christ, no disappointments. We love to talk about being disappointed with God. But that's not because there's something within Christ that's disappointing. That's more with us and how we're looking and our expectations of who we are and what we really deserve. No, let your heart be the treasure chest that stores up the rich memories you have of Christ. What he's done for you, the provisions he's made for you, the loving kindness that he's demonstrated to you, all the truth that you've heard about him. Treasure those things in your heart and, and go daily to that treasure chest and take out a treasure and study it and ponder it. Christ is too big for us to comprehend all at once. But treasure by treasure and truth by truth, we can ponder him. And by pondering him, love him more. Thomas Brooks, I end with this. 17th century English Puritan preacher 
Charles Spurgeon wrote about him later and says, Brooks scatters stars with both hands. This is the truth. He scatters stars with both hands with an eagle eye of faith as well as an eagle eye of imagination. Well, this is what Brooks writes. It's not the bee's touching of the flower that gathers honey, but her abiding for a time upon the flower that draws out the sweet. It is not he who reads most, but he who meditates most, who will prove the choicest, sweetest, wisest, and strongest Christian, and if I may add, the most passionate. You and I have to pursue this passion. Luke does not record for us this morning a story of passive people. He tells a story of pursuit. We can't expect passion for Christ to just hit us. We must pursue it, be unstoppable like the angels. Let nothing, let nothing hold us back from Christ. We must speed to him like the shepherds. And maybe that means doing something we wouldn't normally or ordinary do, ordinarily do in our lives. But we must do those things in order to get to Christ. And of course, we must ponder all the truths about him. This pursuit This pursuit, this speeding to Christ, this unstoppability, this pondering, it's going to ignite passion in you. And God has made you to be a passionate person. Just be passionate for Christ. Let's pray. Father, we struggle with passion for you. We often feel guilty because we don't feel enough love toward you. We don't have enough passion for you. Father, I pray that through the power of your Spirit, you would in this way enable us to heal ourselves and that we would actively pursue you. It's not easy. Father, we know decisions have to be made. Some things decided for, some things decided against in order that we might get to you and be with you and ponder you. Give us the boldness to make that exchange, Lord. The things that we are passionate about that we think will bring us hope and help and healing, help us exchange those, Lord so that we can be passionate about you. Bless us toward this end as you bless the lives of those who love you and follow you closely. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.